There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu. Joining me, as always, uh, is Josh Hart to take... Twitter questions and what would you say the level of angst is right now, Josh? If we're if we're describing it like a uh, like a punk rock or like you know one of those bands, where are we at at the moment? Are we like a death cat for cutie? Are we like no? We're plan? we're like brand new. Uh, maybe like a Taking Back Sunday. Mm. Um, I, I you know we might even be at like a Treyu levels of angst. I don't even know. See, see, this is the thing. I never got to this level of emotion like as, as a child. <laughs> I think I veered clear of this. But. Yeah, it's just bad. It's just pretty bad. <laughs> this is what it feels like when you get home after a long day and all you have in the fridge is a zucchini and a can of tuna. <laughs> uh, uh, shout out zucchinis, man. Very versatile vegetable. Like that's that's on the that's on the to, to buy list every week for groceries. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying something, uh, you know, some real basketball analysis, and I interrupted you. Oh, no. It's, I mean, no, I'm just – look, listen. The Raptors are five games under 500. They've lost seven of their last eight games. Uh, they are – some good news. Some pr- players are clear to practice. So, um, you know, everyone except for OG is now clear to practice, which is nice. But what condition they'll be in to play games and whether they can start winning games is uh, is the major question. And mostly people are just really, really down and looking to tear down the team because it's clearly not a great team at the moment. And um, yeah, Josh, honestly, before we even get to questions, I kind of want to I want to think about three things. Like, honestly, I had questions, essentially, that I wanted to go over with you. So. Let's start with this one, which I think is most tangible. Is really, how much do the Raptors have to win to be competitive this year? Which means probably get into the playoffs, get a six seed, right? Get a, maybe even a top four seed. Of course, that seems very unrealistic at the moment. But, you know, the, right now, the fourth seed in the East is the Heat at plus three. So let's assume at the end of the season, they're plus six in terms of six games over 500. Okay. Um, the Raptors right now are four games back. Obviously, they're five games under 500. There's six teams in between. Pretty much to go between 17 and 22 now to get to six games above 500 at the season's end, which is 39 and 33. The Raptors would need to go 22 and 10 for the second half of the season. How many times do they play the Lakers up upcoming? How many more Two. teams against the Nets? Utah? Two. Two. Damn, even the Knicks, they looked kind of good yesterday. In the fourth quarter, they, like, came back. Do you think the Raptors can pull off a fourth-quarter comeback? Against who? Against the Nets. Against the Nets, Without KD as a caveat. But Uh, the Nuggets, they still have to play a couple times, like... Two, yeah. Clippers? Two? Have they played the Clippers yet? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So there's your ten losses right there. we got to beat everybody else. 
<laughs> I yeah, mean, tough. it's tough. Yeah, I bet, uh, do, I have, do I have to play the Hawks again? Because that's a loss. Come on, man. They have to play. We're, we're, we're beating the Hawks the next time we see them. Okay, the, the Hawks got us twice in lucky circumstances. We're gonna get them. Watch, we're gonna get them. Okay, Tony Snell, we're coming for you, man. <laughs> I can't believe that's what we're saying there. Uh, anyway, just to finish four games above 500, Raptors got to go 21 and 12 to finish two games above 500. All right, at 37 and 35, the Raptors need to go 20 and 13. And just to finish at 500, the Raptors will need to be 19 and 14 over this last stretch, which is tough when we're just talking about 500. And 500 probably gets you, maybe clears you of the of the playing tournament, but probably not because you know the playing tournament at the moment, um, the Raptors would be outside of it. Oh my god! <laughs> oh no! But um, yeah, I mean, like the seventh and the eighth seed get to play in the playing tournament. The seventh seed is the Knicks right now, at twenty and twenty. The Hawks are 19 and 20. They're the eighth seed. Um, it's it's tough. And these last couple of losses are, are doubly painful because th- these are the kind of games the Raptors needed to make yeah. up. So These are kind of the last trash teams they play before. I don't know, I'm sure they see the Wizards again at the end of the season. but I mean, Wizards playing better now. Yeah, Wizards aren't playing terribly. Um, so wait, so that's, what that's did you tough. say, 21 and 14? To to twenty one and twelve just to finish four games above five hundred just to finish thirty eight and thirty four twenty two and ten to finish thirty nine and thirty three which is probably where you would need to be to be reasonably In a, uh, to have a reasonable chance in the first round. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. All right, that's, that's a, a tough, tough one. one. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, laid out like that, it does seem like uh, there's not really much cause to be too excited about what happens next. But okay, well, you know, the thing what is, your next question. Uh, okay, so yeah, I mean, there wasn't really an answer to that other than that's that's tough. Um, the next question is really like, okay, so if you think about timelines in terms of the Raptors and how they're building this season, right? Uh, or not even just this season, but just as a team, you have sort of the the old core, which I would say is Kyle. He's probably the last piece left from the old core, right? You know, most other guys have left. Yeah. Um, then there's the current core, which I would say is Fred, OG, Pascal. Norm is a question mark because he's not signed yet. but And also, I'm not really sure if he's a core piece. But, you know, let's put Norm in that group. Okay, so that's a, that's the current core. And then you have what is the future core. And I think the future core is the one that's the most in question. Because ideally what you do is if you're going to try to reshuffle your roster, you can either trade Kyle for immediate help to help the current core. Yeah. Or you trade Kyle to help the future core, to build the yeah. future core. And right now, I don't know what's in the future core other than Malachi Flynn. Is there another piece that you're like, I'm sure that this guy's going to be here? And to be honest, we haven't actually seen that much from Malachi so far this year as a rookie. Now, of course, that's due to circumstances beyond him. But at the same time, it's not like he's a guaranteed lock to be a future starter, for example, right? So for sure. What, what you're, not you putting, you're not putting Chris in that sort of future-looking group. He's, yeah, I I get it. He's kind of a supporting piece to the current core. I mean, he 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 might be right there with Norm as like a question mark for the current core. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I would say he's part of the next core, right? Because before it was like TD might be in there. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's falling out. Thomas has fallen out. You know. Like Jalen Harris is the 59th pick, which we like him, but like the yeah. last 59th pick the Raptors had, you know, DeWan Hernandez, he's he was out after a year. 
Yeah. This is depressing, dog. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a future. There is not a set of prospects that the Raptors organization can say these guys are all going to be there in a couple years besides Flynn. And Flynn has had a weird rookie season for all of the reasons that, you know, every season, every, everything this year has been horrible. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess the question is really, do you use the old core in Lowry? First off, okay. Yeah. First off, is Lowry able to fit in with the timeline of the current core? And if you don't feel that that's the best use, then can you use Kyle to flip into pieces for oh. this next core, like this current core or the next core? I think that's the real question. Well, okay. Preseason, before Giannis resigned, before Paul George resigned, before Victor, Victor Oladipo fell off the cliff, the idea would the the fantasy was in the off season of 2021, the Raptors would bring in a you know top 2015 level guy to support the current core, um, including Kyle Lowry, maybe at a reduced salary, to con- to contend. I think the the Kyle question is has much more to do with the prospects for this upcoming offseason and the idea of bringing in a guy who could help this team contend and less to do with what Kyle has in the tank left and his contract value because if all things were... Um, if all things were star-crossed, he would be coming back, no no doubt in my mind. If mm-hmm. the team really had still had a shot at Giannis, Kyle Lowry would be back in a Raptors jersey. The dollars be damned. It just wouldn't – it wouldn't matter. Um, so I think the question, like, is Kyle Lowry's fit with his current core is a little unfair because, I don't know, if uh, – who – who there, if there was a, a free agent that would extend – the sort of old and current core into contention in the next two or three years, definitely Kyle's a part, or two years tops, Kyle's definitely a part of that core. But unless you can, you believe that this, that team is out there, Kyle no longer really fits. Because now you're putting um, OG, Fred, Pascal on a four to five year timeline um, of of being a contender again. And, and maybe that's true. But they're definitely not a contender in two years without a free agent signing. Is that a yeah? I, that that's the answer. So um, Kyle is a piece of this current core if the timeline is before twenty twenty four, but is not one after that, and isn't one if the timeline for this current core is longer than two seasons. And listen, honestly, the, the timeline of this current core might not be longer than two seasons. Because that's largely that's, the extent where the contracts end, right? Like Pascal's in year one of a five-year deal. Um, Fred's in the year one of a four-year deal. Um, OG's in the first. He, no, he hasn't even entered his deal yet. But in, in any case, like you know, a lot of these guys could be moved before things come up. But it, the, you know, I think that 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 question is something the front office has to ask themselves. Like you know, is Kyle part of this current core? Is Kyle part of the next core? Um, and what is the timeline that we're operating yeah. on? Like, and is... to be clear, like it's not like trading Kyle is the only avenue to building the next core because the Raptors do have their first round pick. Yeah, that could be a piece along with Flint that you kind of like keep it looks developing. Like it's going to be. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> and then, really, my third question was really just like, how good is that that current core? Which is Fred, OG, Pascal. Let's put in Norm. 
how many wins is that in a healthy regular season without COVID? You know, in, played like a, in Toronto. It's like a 500 team. It's only 500? If it's only 500, it's then the, we, we got real it's problems. A, it's a few games above 500, but it's it's not below 500. Mm. Um, But it's not, like, I don't know. I, what do people really want? Like, I, the the expectation that I have for this team now and for as long as, as far out as I can imagine, is that they are interesting to watch, you know, at home or at Scotiabank when the world reopens. Um, and I believe that the core that currently exists is interesting enough to go out there and compete with the best team, the not maybe not the best, best teams, but with the like good teams night after night and definitely beat the bad teams with the sort of um, institutional intensity that they've played with over the last few years. So maybe 500 is a bit weak, but like, I don't know. Do I think that next year they could be a 51 team in a regular season? Yeah. And is a 50 okay. win team worth my attention? Yeah. So maybe they're in that like 44 to 47, maybe push to 50 win, win team. So yeah, that's, okay. that's where I would put them. Do you, I, I honestly, I feel like that could still be the core of a 50 win team. If you have those yeah. four guys. Uh, if you have those provided that you give them like Raptors. a somewhat decent yeah. bench, like yeah. not this year's bench, right? Like a somewhat decent <laughs> bench. Yeah. Um, I think that team could be five. That, that team could be a 50 win team. I mean, I I, th- I do think that there is some track record of this, right? Like the fact that without Kyle the last few years, they're like what 16 and one, right? Um, and it does remind me of the without Kawhi in that championship year because he was load managing for 20 of them. The Raptors were like I don't know 17 and three or something like that. And it did translate a little bit over. And of course, they're not going to win at that rate. But like 50 wins with that core, if Pascal, Fred, and OG and Norm are healthy for a year, I can see 50 for that. I, I really can, especially if you give them a center, um, whether that's starting uh, with that group or Boucher plus a, a, a backup center that's better than um, Aaron Baines. Um, so I mean, if, and if that's the young core, then you know that is interesting. I mean, if that's if that's the case, you know, you if the, if there are fifty one core, if you believe that, then I think you probably need to use Kyle to bring in a, a piece that fits that timeline. And if you don't believe that that's a fifty one core, if you believe that's a five hundred core, then you probably use Kyle to bring in the next generation to supplement Flynn or the, the first round pick plus whatever. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of if you're, if you're set on trading Cobb, that should be, that should be your decision matrix. And those are the questions you should be asking. Yeah. I, I do think I want to push back on the idea of them being a 50 win team in the Atlantic division when they have to play the, like however long this Nets team stays together, however long the Celtics are, have like two of the best wings in the, conference the league probably it'll be kind of tough for them to like pick up those easy wins um but yeah they can challenge to be a 50 win team this quarter i don't think that they are a they are they will not be until there is um a, that dude on this team one that you pencil into the top half of the conference but they're playoff team and that's but i mean I mean, maybe we're just biased by this, or maybe I'm just biased by this, but, like, the last few years, right? I mean, the last, like, half decade or whatever, like, yeah. outside of Kawhi, like, 
was there like a top 10 guy on the team? Like Kyle maybe had a top 10 level impact, but I wouldn't say Kyle was like a top 10 player necessarily. Maybe in 2016. 2016 was legitimately ridiculous. DeMar was, I would say, a cut below that as well. Um, yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, you know? D'Angelo Russell is no longer in Brooklyn. Like, they have real do- – like, yeah, I mean, but come on. No disrespect, the East still has plenty of ass teams, right? Like, yes, you're right. The top of the East is, is more I'm saying talented the Atlantic Division, the teams that we have to play a lot, are good. But we only play them, like, like one more extra game than, like, the rest of the East, for example. Sure, and I think that that's why getting to 50 as a milestone will be mm. challenging. That's I true. Think I mean, the Knicks, right- are, the Knicks are solid now. There's yeah, no easy win in the Atlantic. There are no easy wins on a Friday afternoon where they're playing this, you know, Jeru Holiday Sixers. Like that, that team's gone. That team was food, and it's gone. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. No, I can see that. I, I just don't. The, the rest of the East though has has compensated, has balanced out. Like the Southeast Division is like a gong show outside of yeah. But then they uh, always Miami. lose. Uh, they always lose those games. They go down there at the beginning of November <laughs> in a regular season, and somehow they lose to like. The or they lose both of the Orlando, they lose the Miami and then the uh, Wizards back to back before mm. they come home to play mm. on Friday against the Phoenix Suns, where they'll do something great. But that game, those two games where they play Miami, then back to back to play um, the uh, the Wizards on like Tuesday, and then they have three days off to play some Western Conference team at home. It happens every year. They'll win the Friday game and they'll lose the. Monday and Tuesday game, or the Sunday and Monday game. I can't. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go back and, and and find examples of it, but it happens every year. They lose these stupid south uh, southeast games to crappy like. I mean, I, I always feel like we lose one more game to the Heat every year than we need to, <laughs> and like one more game to the, the the Magic every year. Shout out to Wayne Ellington; he really made him pay. Bro, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that man. Honestly, bring him to the Raptors already; he'd be our best bench player. <laughs> Seriously. Outside of Boucher. Um, anyway, so those are the questions I pretty much was asking myself. And mm-hmm. um, I kind of want to touch that up, up top. Of course, we got plenty of questions from listeners, uh, as always. So I appreciate it. We can't get to all of them, but we're going to try to get through as many as possible. Let's start with this one from Suzanne. Thoughts on how we might write the ship by adding a piece without leaving a big hole before the deadline to salvage the 2020-2021 season. Um, I wanted to start with something positive because I think most of those trades ideas are kind of sell trades to make the Raptors worse or anything like that. But is there a possibility to retool the roster without like, let's say, let's say without giving up a first round pick. Cause I think if the Raptors put the first round pick into play, they they can probably get a good piece, but I don't want them to do that. And I don't think under any circumstances they should do that. Um, What's that like Norm Powell, bull bull type trade. And it's That's not going to help. I know, but what's the other guy that they put in that trade? I can't, I can't remember his name. They always throw like Gary Harris into these trades. I don't want Gary Harris. He's much oh, yeah. worse than Norm. Yeah, he's yeah. a lot worse. I don't know. I don't, like I'm the whole team outside of the five guys and seventy uh, percent of Chris Boucher, like, has been a kind of a brick. Like it's like we were we like last year we had a segment for a guy who we thought would never play. And this year he's an essential part of the rotation in Stanley Johnson. He started the last few games. Like it's kind of in, that's kind of like evidence of just how, how unfixable this team is. Like you, like you can't play Paul Watson, like for 20 minutes on Sunday, like you did the other day and, and no disrespect to Paul Watson, but like, that's a weird place for this team to be in. I don't, I don't believe that there's a one guy fix 
for the things with this team that are bad. Like, um, I, the like at the high end of this team, they're able to shut down the Bucks. On the low end of the team, it's like a total disaster. And when they beat the Bucks, if they make a change to their um, sustainability of the team by starting Pascal at the five, it's just they're they're the only good answers for this team is. Like they're like a glass cannon. It's like you know when Blastoise uses Hydro Pump, he can't um, make a move the next turn. Wait, no, that's that's Skull Bash. That's Skull Bash. You're right. Yeah. And when I said Hydro Pump, like that's not right. Um, but yeah, it's like this team can Skull Bash, mm-hmm. but they don't. But then, then they like they can get to 500, and then they go on a five game losing streak. No, I think that's like actually a really great point because I think when you do watch the Raptors, you kind of can tell like they play hard half the time. Like you, yeah. even you, even if the, the last few losses, right? They play like ass against Detroit. Just yeah. no excuse for that. But then they play their hearts out and lose to the Celtics. And whatever, you're gonna lose to the Celtics, but whatever, right? And then they play like ass against Charlotte. But then before that, yeah. they play their hearts out against the Hawks. You know, and it's sort of been that sort of inconsistent kind of um, spurt, which honestly. That comes down to like the I think the mentality and the winning mentality. I think part of winning mentality is just like be, being able to summon that mental focus to play hard and execute game after game because that's what I, that's what we saw from the Raptors for like you know five six seasons was just like guys are able to come out every game and do something find a way to win. Some guys might not necessarily shoot well. Some guys might not necessarily do this, but they'll defend well. Yeah. They're going to execute, and generally speaking, you know, in close games, they had enough star talent to sort of finish that out. And when you do all that, you're probably going to be at 50 wins. But yeah. this year, they just haven't been consistent on a nightly basis. Their defense is bad half the time, and it comes down a lot to effort, really, because we've seen the same group, the same guys do yeah. much better. Yeah. Um, one possible trade that may be a win now trade is this report from Chris Haynes, which this question comes from Vector Victor, who says. If a center like Tristan Thompson is available, should the Raptors uh, trade um, for them or just pack it in for the year? So Chris Haynes says the Raptors are interested in Tristan Thompson. Josh, how many times have the Raptors been linked to Tristan Thompson, bro? More the, times the Raptors have been linked to Tristan. I was gonna say. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I told you joke. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's that's exactly where I was going with that, man. <laughs> like, what's going on? Are the Raptors Chloe? Like, what is this? Yeah, I just, I mean, like, shout out Tristan Thompson. Um, I don't care for Canadians being on this team. I think it's cool that they're successful wherever they go. Hmm. I'm kind of bummed that it didn't work out for him in Boston. Um, or maybe he's truly a, a truly a GTA man's because he sewered the Celtics. Um, right. I don't, what would the Raptors be sending back, uh, according to Mr. Haynes? Well, okay, listen. He didn't say anything about that. But let's okay. say Aaron Baines and a future second round pick. You know how much the Celtics love Aaron Baines? It'd be reunited. To be honest, Aaron Baines feels like a Celtic to me, and I feel like he should be a Celtic this year. If I would, I would do that trade one hundred percent right now. Like not this year, second round pick, maybe a future second round pick. But if okay. the Celtics somehow say yes yeah. to that, I'm down. Because so, honestly, Tristan has a guaranteed year next yeah. season for yeah. about nine mil, and and uh, Baines is uh, has a team option for next year. So. The Raptors might even just be able to pull a, that trade off just to get the Celtics uh, to offer them basically salary flexibility. So this is basically the Jared Sellinger for PJ Tucker trade from a few years ago. Kind of, yeah, in a way. Although honestly, I might prefer Jared Sellinger <laughs> to Aaron Bain. Well, the, well, Jared Sellinger 
He had did good he vibes. Have, he did have he did have way better vibes than yeah. Aaron Baines. Speaking of Aaron Baines, I think since we last recorded this, he finally stopped wearing the uh, Kobe sixes that he was in like every game, and it drove me crazy because they're such a highly visible shoe for a guy who, when he's out there, it's you know not making me very happy. Um, but uh, the Jared Sullivan trade. <laughs> Yeah, like I do. I think that uh, Tristan Thompson is is presently a more valuable player than PJ Tucker was. In I don't know. I think I actually preferred PJ Tucker. No, PJ was better in twenty. Yeah, I preferred PJ Tucker in twenty seventeen to Tristan Thompson in twenty twenty one. But I also prefer Jared Sullinger to Aaron Baines, and a second round pick will be roughly well. Actually, it was a better second round pick because the Raptors were like a number one seed. Um, but I think that's like an equivalent trade. And if the team made that one then, and I thought it was a good move, probably agree with that trade. See, okay, I don't actually hate that trade. Not necessarily yeah. because I really love Tristan Thompson. I don't think Tristan Thompson is going to change the uh, like change the bottom line for this team, right? I, I think they need to get healthy and they need their main guys to play well. Yeah. But then again, again, I, I, this comes back to the first question I asked is basically how good do the Raptors have to play to win? Because they have to be, as I mentioned, just to get the 500, 19 and 14. That's doable with this roster. They would need to go on like a five-game win streak at some point. But that's doable just without any upgrades. To get to like a 22 and 10, which is just to finish 39 and 33. So you're like the 60. You avoid the the uh, play-in tournament or whatever. Yeah. Um, is Tristan Thompson going to make that much of a difference? And maybe he will, but most likely he won't. So... But in any case, would I make that trade if it was Baines in a second for Tristan? Yes, I would. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, you know, I think Tristan rebounds. I think he makes layups at a similar rate, if not slightly higher. And defensively, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, maybe, maybe a little worse, to be honest. Was Selinger signed for the MLE when he came to Toronto? <sighs> No, he was like five mil. I don't know. It was cheaper than that, I think. But I mean, it wasn't really his fault. He got hurt. To be honest, the last time we got a Celtics big, you're right, actually. The last time we got a Celtics big, it didn't really work out for us. Fact. Yeah. Um, next question comes from Renee, who asks As the trade deadline approaches, anyone on this team, is anyone on this team truly untouchable? He says Fred and OG are his, his only ones. Whoa, disrespect to Pascal Siakam. I mean... <laughs> Who are you trading Pascal for? Yeah, I... I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think he's untouchable. Like, if if there was, like, a... Like, would you trade... If the Pelicans called and they're like, hey, we'll give you Brandon Ingram for for Pascal Siakam, are you are you at least entertaining that call, or are you just immediately sh- turning off the phone? Um, I, I mean, no disrespect to Brandon Ingram having a hell of a season, or especially early... Uh, yeah, no, no, thank you. Okay. All right, well then, okay, fine. Pascal's <laughs> untouchable for you. You would? You would think about that trade? Uh, I would entertain it. I, I do think that there's an element that um you could get from Ingram, which is that sort of like late game shot creation kind of thing. Yeah, there's, okay. So there's which, a piece, yeah, but as a team operator, like I do think Pascal's better defensively than Ingram is. That's not a question to me. Um, I think Ingram is a little bit more skilled, but Pascal is able to get to the rim a little bit better. Yeah, I don't know that one. I, have, I really have to think about it. Like you, you would really have to like pull up all like, the, the synergy weird. stats and look it up. What 
Doesn't an Ingram and Fred team seem weird? Um, yeah, just two guys settling for you know, yeah for first, deep threes would, for no would be a little bit annoying. But let's be real; I mean, it's not like Pascal's shot selection this year has been like consistently fantastic either. Yeah, so. fair enough. I don't I, know. I, to I, me, I don't think there is an untouchable on the team. Like, and that's not to say the team is ass. I just mean like untouchable to me is like you have LeBron and you're the Cavs. Yeah, that, yeah that, there's no way there are no assets that are of equivalent enough value. Yeah, like like Zion on the Pelicans. Yeah. Or like Luca on the Mavs. Like the Raptors don't have any anything close to that level. No. Um I would not look to trade Fred under pretty much any circumstances. But, you know. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. It'd probably be Fred and Pascal for me. But Pascal I'm willing to entertain offers for like a Brandon Ingram type or that young player on a on a long term contract yeah. on equivalent money. Um next question from Jeff. Jeff Lowe. What could you realistically get for Norm? So um, Zach Lowe said on his podcast today that uh, he can't count on two hands how many teams have inquired for Norm. So that's at least 10. At least 11. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) at least a third of the NBA has inquired for Norman Powell. Um, A, are you surprised by this? Um, No, he's like... On a great value deal, well, not Walmart brand, but great value. Um, I'm happy for him. Like it's, I feel like a lot of people, especially in Toronto, think of Norm as being, I mean, I think a less valuable player than I, I place him. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that he's getting this. That front offices around the league are sort of validating what he brings to the table. Um. Yeah, he's a player who's not going to accept his $12 million option next season and is able to fill up the stat, the stat sheet with secondary scoring. It makes sense. I'm happy for him. I don't know. What I imagine the teams that are interested in him are the top third of the league. I don't think there are any bad teams who want Norm because Norm yeah. is not a very useful player to a good team or to a bad team. Sure. Um, yeah, I agree. So I'm not surprised. And who will give, like, what's, what deals are out there with good teams that aren't going to be, like, if the inter- if the interest is to sell high on Norm, mm-hmm. trading him to a very good team that's looking to go contend is impossible. Cause well, would you take a late first-round pick? Like, you, like would you North. say, like, like, okay, the Heat are a bad example, but let's say the Heat offer you... Kelly Olenek and um, they well they can't offer a pick so forget the Heat. Let's say that the, the Sixers offer you Danny Green and a, a future first. The Sixers maybe I I think the teams that I'd be more interested in trading him to are teams that could things could maybe go sideways for like if the if the Nuggets have a first round pick next season and are willing to deal it in the hopes that that would help them climb the standings quickly as they need to but yeah. i think that there's a decent chance that they won't and then that pick is early 20s i'm very, i'm very interested in something like that and i know that like the the um first round placement isn't the most important thing but i'm not looking to, to trade him to the uh clippers for the 28th pick like that just kind of seems right. I mean, also, Norm does not have a replacement on this team next season. That's what I'm so saying. It's I just like hard know. to 
Yeah. Because you're just handcuffing yourself for the future, like, really. And for a guy who, you know, like, late first-round pick and stuff like that, it just it doesn't fully feel like enough. If you're comfortable with re-signing Norm Powell $18 million a year, you're basically saying that you would pay $18 million, an extra $18 million. Not, not even that, actually. You're, you're basically saying you're willing to sacrifice all the production from Norm just for a future first-round pick that is probably going to be... At best, Norman Powell. That doesn't and, fully make sense to yeah, me. And yeah. I would need like a prospect and that. If you said two picks, then maybe I'm interested. But yeah, I, I don't know. Because I, I think the Raptors, I think it makes sense for the Raptors to re-sign Norm this offseason. I think he would fit well with their current core, as I mentioned. Fred, yeah. OG, Pascal. With Norm makes a lot more sense than just those three alone. But um, do, you, do you think that... Because like, you would need to spend that money to replace Norm in the first place. Because that first round pick's not getting you a Norman Powell immediately. Maybe they you, will get you that in like five years, but not right now. Do you think Bobby Webster is thinking right now that he can turn the Terrence Davis situation around? Maybe not for the beginning of next season, but eventually. And maybe you find a stopgap solution elsewhere this offseason to replace Norm's production in tandem with a guy like Terrence Davis. I don't know, like, even, like, that doesn't seem like a very good option. And I, I think the last time we did this, I said Terrence Davis put $10 million, like, put money in Norm's pocket because he's been a disaster this season. He is he has completely um, taken himself out of the conversation of being the heir to the backup shooting guard position on this team. Or yeah. it may be a, a, like, if the idea next year is that Norm might start, there's... Norm, there, I mean, if you re-sign Norm, Norm's going to start. Yeah, so yeah. if Norm's starting next year, there is there is no one in the Raptors organization that can replace his production right now, and you're going to so- have to sign someone who can replace that production for Norm money. So, sorry, yeah. sorry, Norm haters, but the, your real enemy is Terrence Davis, which is a pretty good enemy to have. Yeah, fair enough. Um Next question from Just Nels. What will the next five years look like for Toronto after Lowry leaves? Will we hit a rebuild and trade current assets for picks or settle for playoff appearances? So basically, is it going to be a full-scale teardown where you're trying to get rid of everybody, like an OKC-style situation? Or do the Raptors um, move on from Kyle but try to keep the current core going and keep winning and building from the middle? I think, to me, the Raptors have shown consistently that they will build from the middle. Yeah. And that's it's different than being it's stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle is you have contracts you can't move, but they're too good to like um, not allow you to be terrible. And then you then you're just maybe stuck in the middle. I think a the Raptors have shown they can draft well from all positions. And I know I just said I don't want Norm for a late first round pick. I just think that he deserves more than a late first round pick. If you gave me two first round picks, then maybe I'm talking, but not one. Um, uh, but I think the Raptors as an organization have drafted so well that I don't mind them drafting from like a mid teen kind of position. And then on top of that, I do think that the Raptors as an organization, I don't think they have a philosophy necessarily of tanking. I think they really care about winning. All they talk about is winning and maybe you pay that as lip service, but I really do think there is something that they cherish about the fact that they have guys who know how to win, who expect to win as a culture where you come to that team, you're expected to win. You might not necessarily win like this year, but even this year, all they talk about is winning. So I do, I do think that they will probably 
uh, built from the middle. So my, my answer to that is no. I think the Raptors will, if, if Lowry leaves, the Raptors will try to keep um, supplementing, you know, uh, surrounding pieces in this current core around Fred, around OG, around Pascal, around Norm, and trying to go for it while also, uh, you know, supplementing the roster and building more talent on the, on the second unit. Pretty much basically that 2018 season where the Raptors had entrenched starters in, uh, you know, Kyle, Damar, um, you JV. know, JV, Serge, and then, well, I, and I guess OG, but then they had young guys on the bench, which were, you know, Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, DeLon Wright, which by the way, holy crap, that was what really our bench, fun, man. What a fun team. Now our bench is not anything like that. <laughs> but I think that's what they're trying to go for, the 2018 model. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the team tears it down. I think you really just need to figure out a way to, you know, like the team tr- is a, it's not a destination market who traded away all of their prospects to win a title. Totally worth it. Yeah. Now they um, have to bring in as many assets and draft capital as they can in the near term so that they can rebuild. So, like, if if the Raptors were to make a trade that would be kind of sad but make some sense is if they traded Norm Powell to the Pelicans for J.J. Redick in one of their firsts. Like, it'd be shitty because J.J. Redick's, like, 37 me, years old. But yeah. they have all of these firsts. Like, if you got one of their like, firsts and then a swap. Give me, two. give me two. Or, like, give me, like, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. See, that's a that's, trade I like. That's probably asking for too much, but, you know, something like that. Wait, because... Um, so JJ Redick is an unrestricted free agent, so he wants to go somewhere that he can, but he can play. I don't think. I mean, it probably have to be a three way deal. I don't think JJ ends up in Toronto. I think he ends up in New York or Brooklyn. But if you're able to like send Norm, I think no, like JJ the JJ Redick experience has sucked. Like he's kind of let that that team down. Not that he's the most important guy, but it's not yeah, worked yeah. out. Norm Powell makes sense there. If he goes to New Orleans and we're able to get back some of their upcoming draft cap, draft capital or one of their prospects in a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that's like one of the more compelling trade narratives Mm. that's out there. I mean, I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that. If, let's say, they use JJ to get get a first-round pick, but that first-round pick was relayed to Toronto, Mm -hmm. and then Norm went to New Orleans, (laughs) and we got Nikhil Alexander-Walker in that trade, then I'm like, okay, that's interesting to me. But again, it can't just be a late first-round pick. Right, you can't just like swap directly with the team and get a, their late first round pick. So, because I just think Norm's worth more than that, man. If you again, yeah, yeah. if you're willing to pay the man 20, like eighteen million dollars a year for yeah, the next three years, yeah. that should be worth more. That's worth more than the late first round pick. I'm sorry, yeah. it just is. Like talent wise, it's not a good play. Um. All right, next question from Red Fan Fleets. Um, is there a style of team building that will 100% lead to a championship? Um, if there is, I don't know. Do you have an answer? Um, the style is you have like a generational talent that, and even that won't necessarily lead to a championship because I don't think anything necessarily 100% leads to a championship, but at minimum, you need a top five player at worst. And honestly, five might be too generous. Could be less than five. The nature of basketball is such that one guy is so 
important to the team. The rest of the team is important around him. The circumstances are important. Coaching is important. Um, supporting players are important. The styles of play is important. Defense obviously can't be played with one person, but one person can affect so much in basketball that like you need that guy. Absolutely. Like the Raptors don't do anything without Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. And of course all the other guys mattered, but that's like the, that's like the main piece that you have. Like you can't have like, if, if you think about a team as like Thanksgiving dinner, like Kawhi is like the fucking Turkey in the middle. <laughs> okay. And you know, Fred we can bleach the cranberry sauce. Yo, come on, man. Fred. Fred, Fred was like a gravy. Fred was like a gravy. Was it essential? Not necessarily, but he 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 did. I mean, to be honest, actually, gravy is essential. You can't just have jerky. If you have no gravy, I'm, I'm not. I don't think I'll have a Thanksgiving dinner. So, what was Fred Van Vliet Jr.? <laughs> See, this is the thing. I already did a uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I did a fellowship of the ring slash uh, 2019 championship uh, um, signing um, where I had like Aragorn as Kawhi and like Serge as Gimli and stuff like that. Um, yeah, this is this is good. So the 2019 Raptors as a cha- as a Thanksgiving spread. So Kawhi's to Turkey. What's the second most important piece? In my family, it's um, like mac and cheese. Okay. So Kyle's a mac and cheese. Yeah, I like, agree. Like, like a thick, thick. Like it works perfectly. <laughs> yeah, just the base carb. Like, yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, okay, so Kyle's a mac and cheese. Uh, what else is important? So is, is stuffing important to you? Are, are you pro-stuffing or are you I'm, anti-stuffing? I'm not anti-stuffing, but I did not grow up. It was um, – you, you know when you um, spend like a Thanksgiving Saturday with your friend's family and they – you know, or of dif- different ethnicity than you. That's mm-hmm. when I first experienced stuffing. That's okay, all right. Okay, word, word. It's not. I don't hate it. Okay, you know I, what? I, I got. I got what stuffing is. So stuffing comes with the turkey, which means stuffing is Danny Green in this case. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's part of the turkey. So okay, all right. So it's Danny Green is stuffing. Yeah. Uh, Kyle is mac and cheese. Like Pascal is like the other meat dish that's there. Like like a chicken. Yeah. Because you're not just you're not only having the turkey. You're probably having yeah. something else, right? Like a like a roast chicken or something like that, or if you have ham or like a roast beef. Oh, like a ham, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's 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 a good one. It's like very. It's like you expect it to be there, mm-hmm. and if it's not, you're like, yo, what's going on? Right. But you know, it is not the. It's not the thing that it's a thing that gets brought uh, to the Thanksgiving. It's not made in the house. The Thanksgiving dinner served in. Right. Um. Um. Jeremy Lin might be like the fruitcake that. <laughs> gets left uneaten <laughs> i'm sorry jeremy man you know i love you you know i love you but, but... mark is mashed potatoes yep i agree absolutely Sur- and Serge is gravy well wait but we said fr- fred think, is gravy i think fred if... is gravy in the sense that he has he he was a necessary ingredient to make it all work like you need a little bit of gravy with pretty much yeah, most of those items yeah. to make it work not mac and cheese but the rest of them yes this is, see, this is where you run into issues because it's not perfect. And also, I had a, uh, I had, and like, I had a very immigrant, um, yeah, like Thanksgiving. I'm, so I, I have no idea. I mean, what my parents served is not anything close to what is traditionally served. What's okay? I'm you know what? To think, like, who is the rice and peas and oxo gravy? Because that's what I grew up. <laughs> that's was on every Thanksgiving plate I've ever had. <sighs> and you know, uh, Delon Wright was like string beans, and uh, <laughs> C.J. Miles was. He was, was kind of shaped like string beans. 
Facts. So I, I literally like, right. like, oh, pumpkin pie. We need a pumpkin pie. That's the last one. Let's end on pumpkin pie. That was Nick pie. Nurse. That was Nick Nurse. That was Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is that the pumpkin the bo- pie? And the whipped cream was the box in one. <laughs> okay. There you go. So there's the 2019 Raptors as uh, as a Thanksgiving spread. This is going to be the best part of the podcast. All right. In the middle of I, don't, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> I forgot what the question was. Yeah, exactly. Um, next question from Ronald Lowe. Um, no matter what happens, this team, this year's team will be thought of as a flawed team with a good core. What can be done to change that next year? I think you got to give them a center. They really need a center. Indeed. I I think I, I, I kind of want to push back on this being a flawed team. It's a team without a clear expectation of where it's going and how and a plan to execute. And I've kind of felt that way this whole season. Like, I, I remember um, Masai Ujiri gave an interview on Metro Morning where he talked about how the team's plan was to play in Scotiabank Arena. And this was something that this interview happened, I want to say, in like the first week of November. Mm-hmm. And from then on, it seems like the Raptors have constantly been a, in a state of like navigating their backup plans. Like things just haven't worked out at every level and at every turn. And that's not only the responsibility of the um, organization, but I do think that this addition of the Raptors is kind of a brick from Masai and Bobby. Like it's just, and parts of that were never in their control and it doesn't matter. They're playing in Tampa Bay, but I think thinking of this team as a flawed team is a little unfair because, you know, if we were to roll back the calendar 10 years, this would have been a perfectly acceptable um, trajectory for the 2011 Raptors. And that's kind of the fault of the organization not being clear about where this group of guys was going and how we are going to get there. Like, like still, like the Alex Len um, signing, not playing him and Bro, cutting him. Bad. Like, it's just kind of like, what do you like? Is who's that? Who's steering this thing? Kind of problem, and I don't know. That's kind of what I, I would push back on this team being flawed. I think this team is just lacking purpose, direction. I said on Twitter yesterday, like all we need is Socrates to give like a a, a hype video where he explains what this team's all about. Because I don't mm. know what this team's all about. It's like it's just it's it's not. It's not there's no good there's no good story about what this team's doing this season, at least to me. Yeah. I would say like uh this is definitely their their thinnest roster they've put together. It's a little top heavy. It's like one of those albums that has like three singles on it and the rest of it is just like, bro, what is this? Like you just like don't want to buy the album, you just want to buy the singles. Like this is like this year's team is like a Magna Carta Holy Grail. But there's like maybe three songs on there, you're like, okay, you can you can listen to that. Whereas like I don't know. Last year's team is like the Black Album, where there's quality no matter where you look, and even some of the, the not the singles are pretty decent to listen to. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The people. I feel like people don't. Do, does anyone listen to Jay Z currently? This is a question I have to ask myself all the time. Yeah, I feel like I know he, a disproportionate amount of Jay Z, but I don't see anybody quoting anything that he does. Well, I mean, he doesn't like put out anything that you would put under an Instagram photo, but he had that um, song on the Judas and the Black Messiah uh, sort of um, soundtrack or music inspired by with him and Nipsey Hussle. That was pretty good. Okay. He just, but Jay-Z's never like, I haven't, he haven't, 
consistently put out hit songs in over a decade. That's true. It used to be Jay-Z featuring Beyonce. Now it's Beyonce featuring Jay-Z. Facts. Yeah. Shout out Beyonce, though. Shout out Beyonce. Consistently good for like 20 years now. It's really an unreal run. Anyway, uh, next question from Sandeep. Should Norm and Pascal exchange roles on offense? Norm has been a lot more efficient and his playmaking has improved recently. Um, I don't know about exchange roles just because obviously one guy's a big, one guy's a guard. Like you can't just ask them to do different things. Like I'm not putting Norm in the post five times a game and asking Pascal to, you know, pull up from three anymore. But um, maybe in terms of shot distribution, maybe, you know, I, I think before Pascal was like clear cut, the number one option. And I think now he's sort of like, there are three number one options between Fred, Pascal, and Norm, while Kyle's the guy distributing. Yeah. I feel like that's the healthiest thing. I think Norm's gotten so good that he's deserving of one of those top three spots. What do you think? Yeah, I think – I still think I'm more committed to Pascal's development as the lead guy that uh, asking him to take a step back towards the pack on offense might not be part of the of, like a of sound development strategy. Um, Norm's kind of a finished product, and I'm not sure that he would. I'm not sure how much more you'd gain by giving him a change role in the offense when everything, when all things are equal. Um, and I think that like making Pascal a more solid offensive option is like just it's got to be like a priority for the organization. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you with that. I mean, I think fundamentally, like Pascal's a guy you that creates shots a little bit more than Norm does. Norm is still a guy who finishes plays. So I think just on that alone, Pascal is still going to have more priority. But um, I don't want to see Norm's shots cut down is kind of my answer too. Like I think there's more things that Norm is doing now that I want to see him doing even with a healthy squad. Like him pulling up for three nowadays, like him running a pick and roll, guards are going underneath him still. And when he pulls up, he's it's pretty good. So I want to see that happen a little bit more often. Um, I still wanted to see them look for him as much in transition as, as much as possible. Um, you know, slashing and cutting to the basket. I, I don't think Norm's game is. I think it's really flexible because he's mostly finishing plays that yeah. he finds ways to get involved. I don't. I don't know necessarily. Um, you need to like set up plays specifically to Norm as much as you need to for Pascal. But I, I think he's 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 really climbed his way up there, man. Honestly, Norm's season has been. One of the brightest parts of the year. Norm it's like and him, Pascal. Chris, uh, and maybe Fred. Fred has been. It's no, different. Fred's... Like I'm. It's but it's the. It's not really a surprise. It's kind of what you expected when you gave him big contract and That's said true. like, "This is your job now." And he's done his job. Norm Powell's just been like, it still still kind of feels like found money. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. I mean, to to borrow an analogy, like I feel like. Norm is like this kid that you've had for like for me, like I was like uh screwing around. I was like a 70s student for like grades nine and ten, taking travel and tourism and food and nutrition as my, you know, electives. And then grade eleven, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get serious. And I'm gonna take school seriously. I'm gonna really study. And I got myself to be a ninety student for grades eleven and twelve. That I feel like that's Norm's jump. Whereas Fred is like consistently reliable like a parent is like you probably are not going to give your parent a great you know uh gift or a great birthday card just because you know they consistently make dinner you just kind of expect that from them you know so it doesn't feel as great but 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I I get it. Um. <laughs> Next question from Thomas. This this podcast is weird. This is a weird this is a weird episode. <laughs> Uh, why are the Raptors giving up so many open threes? Is it a roster issue or a defensive tactics issue? Are they giving like a exceptional number of open threes? I guess. I mean, teams routinely hit 20 on us now. It's, it hurts. It, it yeah, hurts. That, that is happening. I don't know. You're the basketball analyst. Why are they giving up so many uh, threes? I mean, I think the basketball reason is probably they just have such poor rim protection that they're overcompensating in the paint even more than before mm. there i just also don't think that like last year for example like every single player in the rotation was a strong defender mm-hmm. like the worst guy defensively last year in the rotation was norm and norm's not even that bad defensively he really isn't um now because of the injuries and because of the guys that they have off the bench so like that like they have you know baines obviously is a defensive liability outside of post defense Mm-hmm. Boucher is playing a lot more. He's not nearly as defensively sound as Serge was uh, or Mark. And then even the wing defenders, like, I, I just don't really trust them in the same way. I don't think they're rotating the same way. I think injuries have also hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're compensating for the pain a little bit more and they're giving up threes. But also, um, the teams are just shooting better on threes against us. That's, what, that's one thing that's like, I th- last year the Raptors allowed the worst uh, or the best, I guess, opponent three-point percentage at like 33%, which is great because maybe they're allowing the right shots, but also the element of luck goes into that. The Raptors, yeah. like, you know, it's it's tough. It, it, it's, it's it's an open shot at the end of the day. Guys are going to hit it or not. Uh, but over the course of the season, the Raptors are fairly lucky. Now the Raptors are giving up 37.5% on threes. So that's a four percentage difference. Uh, and the Raptors are 23rd instead of first in the NBA. So guys are also hitting them more. But I also think that like part of it is scouting as well. I think teams are like pump faking the Raptors a lot more. Mm. And I remember last year, I feel like the last year the Raptors would fly by. But even if they did fly by, they would then contest from behind after the shooter relocated slightly. And I think they affected shots that way. I don't really feel like the same thing is happening this year. And I think teams are just kind of pump faking to get the Raptors completely out of position. Yeah. So I think they're getting scouted against better too. So... I don't know, man. Also, how many times did we played Tony Snow last year? I felt like we didn't even see him last year. Now, you know, <laughs> I'm sick of him. I'm good. I'm good without seeing him the rest of the the rest of the his career. To be honest, <laughs> let's sign Tony Snow just so that he doesn't play against the Raptors. Well, this, I, I didn't know that Masai Ujiri became Doc Rivers. <laughs> yeah, Doc. Shout out Doc, man. Good for him. I'm happy for Doc. We'll see what happens in the playoffs, but I'm happy for Doc. Yeah. It's, I really do want the Sixers to be competitive against the Nets. And really, I think it's just like a COVID race between those two teams. Whichever team can, like, health, I guess, taken more holistically. But I don't know. Nets they look have, nasty, though, man. They yeah. look so nasty. Like, the fact that Kyrie is averaging, like, 28 points per game. Shooting like fifty percent from the field, forty four percent from three, ninety percent from the free throw line, like his efficiency this year is insane. Yeah. Like obviously Kyrie has always been like really good, but like yeah. now that he's like no more playmaking, like you know, uh, obviously James has been able to do that more shooting around him than probably ever before. His efficiency this year is so good, man. 
His true shooting is 63%. And, you know, and we know Kyrie takes difficult shots too. So just a, uh, just a gifted artiste, man. And he knows it. Also a great defensive player, apparently. Defensive stopper at the uh, end of important games. I mean, was it a block? Was it? Did he have to look? It, it was a Fred VanVleet block. That's 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 the Fred VanVleet block. A guy goes up to shoot, and you uh, strip it on the way up. Fat. That's it. Counts as a block. To be honest, though, that wasn't really a travel. Like I feel like uh, Randall had a reason to be pissed on that play, but whatever, man. It is what it is. Did you like Kyrie uh, waving him goodbye? Um, I, like I like, haven't seen I like that streak in Kyrie, Kyrie that much. Yeah, like you see it when he calls this this um, press peons. <laughs> By the way, if, if people haven't seen it already, Jesus and Meryl did a really good um, Kyrie Irving impersonation. You can find it Amazing. on YouTube. It's really Amazing. good. It's yeah. really good. And I like <laughs> Kyrie, but yeah. Um, what else? Uh, next question: Masai's future. You know what? Let, you know, let's wait another time to answer Masai's future. I mean, what, what can we really say? We have no idea. His future is make some phone calls, please. Uh, and this one from Derek Andrews. Can we agree five years from now, when we look back on this season, it will be in the vein of, well, that was the COVID season and we were in Tampa all year, so it doesn't really count. Yeah, it's fake season, fake basketball, fake ring. Yeah. The Raptors are Everything. the reigning and defending NBA champions. Well, ex- exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, of course it's fake. And our, no, I, I think I mean this is a year where the Raptors were hit by you know catastrophic circumstances. Absolutely. Also, their talent wasn't that good. <laughs> can we, can we, both both wait, are true. Are you man. referring to Alex Len and uh, Aaron Baines as catastrophic circumstances? Jeez, I I remember right after Mark and Serge left, I decided to just like tweet out random pictures of old Raptor centers. Yeah. So I was like Solomon Alibi, Reggie Evans. Um, Tyler Hansbrough, Chuck Hayes, like, and I was just like posting a string because there's like a huge number of these, like Primos Brezic, like there's just a lo- Lauren Woods, like it, it's just nonstop. Like you can go every single year, year by year. The Raptors had these guys, Alexis Ajinsa, and like the Raptors actually ended up with two guys that are gonna fit squarely on that list, man. <laughs> what was the guy that the Raptors brought in? I want to say like twenty. 16 or 17 playoffs he played on sacramento jason thompson yeah 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 I, you know what i what's jason thompson doing right now let's give him a massage give him a phone is, call bro what is he doing right now i'll look it up he's probably playing in like germany or something because he's not thompson. old damn jason thompson when you start jason thompson canadian actor comes up first before jason thompson nba does that's tough Shot. he is playing jason carlton thompson is an american professional basketball player for shanghai sharks of the chinese Sick. basketball association he was a starting center playing college basketball for okay wow well, anyway he's 34 years old he's uh same age as aaron Baines. you down not really though <laughs> all right fair <laughs> enough <laughs> fair enough um, did he even play in the playoff that year for the raptors um, very, very, no, I don't think so. I remember actually. very specifically learning that he wasn't the height he was listed at. That was like the oh, only. Oh, yeah, because they said he was 6'11", and he showed up, and you're like, bro, you're 6'7". Yeah, that was the only <laughs> thing I remember about that guy. No disrespect, uh, but. I mean. That's crazy. That's your most most um, salient bro. memory in my mind. 
Who hasn't lied on their resume, man? You don't put on the resume like, yo, I'm fluent in Excel. <laughs> that's that's the NBA player's resume is his height. Uh, he did play in some of the, NBA, the Raptors playoff run uh, in that year, 2016. Really? 10 minutes against the Heat in game one, two, three, four, five. Game five of that series, the Raptors, that, that, that game, the Raptors won by eight points. He, wow, he played... 10 minutes in an eight-point game. And then he played 12 minutes, uh, a full fourth quarter in game five against the Cavs. That's the one the Raptors lost by 38 points. <laughs> yo, these Cavs scores are triggering, man. I don't want to see this. <laughs> Minus, yo, they lost by 31, 19, 38, and 26. <laughs> Disgusting. Oh, my God. No, those were real dark times. And those were actually the bright times. <laughs> Yeah, do you um, think you'd want to go back to LeBronto era right now? Um, let's see. Okay, so there isn't a LeBron in the East, so that would really help because that would that that was really the main problem. Aside from the fact that the Raptors just didn't have enough uh, quality star talent to get consistently um, results in the playoffs at that level, but would I want to return to that? I mean, I guess so. I feel like my heart could kind of sustain it better this this time around maybe not in the same embarrassment like i don't think i can see lebron like sipping a beer or like two minutes into the the playoff series in game one throwing it off the glass alley-oop from Kyrie and dunking it like lebron did like i don't think i could see that but to be consistently beaten by like one team let's say it's like brooklyn or whatever like i you know i can accept that i can kind of i mean i saw the championship in my lifetime and i think that's gonna sustain me for like at least a decade so that's I'm truly okay. how I feel. Like, it seems like, I don't know. It was like Larry OB made it to Canada. Like, he had to get the trophy, had to get a passport. Like, what else What else do people really expect from their fa- experiences being, like, sports fans? Yeah, exactly. That's you, That was already... In, in a small market. Like, I think if, you know, we were... Celtics fans or Lakers fans, we'd expect this kind of stuff all the time, and uh, the downturn the right, Raptors that, are facing now would be really stressful. But dog, they won a championship. I saw it. That honestly, that sounds mad exhausting. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean always- it does sound it does sound kind of cool to have a consistent championship contending team in your city, but at what expense? Yeah, I agree. Can enjoy a second round playoff exit. Like I'm, if that's the, so long as the teams are fun to watch. I'm not interested in rebuilds because winters in Toronto are cold enough that you have to have a team that's compelling. Hmm. But so long as they're watchable, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what else? What other what other questions do we have? Let's go through that nine oh five questions. We gotta have a nine oh five question every week. Come on, man. Josh, what do you think of the nine oh five season? <laughs> I mean, you know, we didn't go as far as we'd hoped. Shout out to the GM for winning Executive of the Year, Chad Sanders, uh, aka uh, aka Blake Murphy. I'm just saying, Blake won that. Blake won that. Blake, Blake wins, you know, annually. Um, I don't know. I watched a couple games. It seems like, it seems like like Flynn 
got his legs under him in a way that he wasn't able to in his games in the big league. So hopefully he's is he is when's he going to be back with the major league squad? Um, he's technically back. I mean, the, the bubble's over, so he's just with the club. He's just in health protocol. I guess. I guess he was clear to practice today, so good for him. Okay, so yeah, I, I'm hoping that he's able to get some. I just I don't really think the second half of the season is going to go so smoothly. Mm. Like guys are going to be working their way back on a condensed schedule. Yikes. And but maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, listen. You might be well equipped to answer this question then. Which Raptors 905 player would you want to get the next call up? I'm rooting for Alize Johnson and Matt Morgan. Don't know if Matt Morgan gets in, just because if you look at his total season stats on the 905, it was like seven points. But he did come on really strong in the last few games yeah. um, and in some of the playoff games. But um, yeah, I, I think Alize Johnson sh- should get a look from some team. I mean, he did, he was on the Pacers roster for the last two years, kind of on two ways, you know, so he was here and there yeah. with the club. But I think he's shown some, you know, he's athletic enough to play at that level. He's a little awkward skill-wise, but he kind of gets it done. I'm not sure if that translates to the next level, but, I mean, you know, as a as a sort of, how would I describe him? He, he reminds me, of, like, he has some Pascal in his game, you know, kind of like an awkward, lanky, slightly undersized yeah. power forward. You know, he can score in the post. He has a spin move. Can't really shoot that well. But uh, does everything else well. Plays with a lot of energy. Like, listen, someone could kid, take a look, and if someone is the Raptors, I wouldn't mind. Like after Henry's ten days done, maybe give it to. Uh, Are you enjoying the the Henry Ellenson experience? Let's say you put Henry Ellenson and, and Aaron Baines and let them play one on one. Can we? I, I feel like if there was like justice in the world like the two of them should be able to play one-on-one and whoever wins up to 21 should keep the roster spot and the salary i mean the salary is whatever it's it's already sunk into it but um yikes he's looked all right yeah yeah he took i you know what i don't like is guys were driving into him and as a center you have to stand there and sustain some contact right take a bump at the rim prevent a shot from going in and whether it was Gordon Hayward or Laurie Markin, and these guys aren't even that. I mean, Hayward's a little bit physical, but like these guys aren't even necessarily like those guys that really can truck through you and stuff like that. And those uh, guys are just I would, bumping I would, past. I disagree about Hayward. He's like he's been okay, saying. Yeah, you're right. Hay- Hayward is pretty jacked. You're right, but like he's not gonna like he's not like Westbrook jumping through your chest or anything like that, right? Yeah. And he, I mean, yeah, I just don't think he can hold his position defensively. Uh, hold his, yeah, and and you know that's. That's tough. You kind of need to hold your position as a center. But offensively, he's he's very skilled. Offensively, he's skilled enough to play at the NBA level. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe Alize is more of a two-way kind of guy, you know? Like, defensively and offensively. It'd be fun to see Alize out there. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I agree. Also, someone pick up Nick Stiles because I really do think Nick could have helped some team this year. Like, honestly, if you ask me between Nick and Matt Thomas, who's a better player, I, I might say Nick Stiles because he's taller and he can get the shot off. Yeah, I the Nick Stiles is kind of it's sort of surprising that he hasn't been able to make it back. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's tough. Um, Kate, shout out Kate. 
asked a question that is not depressing. Which NBA Top Shot moment do you wish you could own? Choose one big moment and one relatively insignificant moment. How how big? Any, I mean, it could be you know anything. Okay, um, a moment that I wanted to see if it existed on Top Shot the other day is the moment that um, Tim Duncan and uh, Chris Anderson knock LeBron's headband off in the like nine and a half minute mark of the fourth quarter of game six. Cause I think that'd be like, Oh a, yeah. 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 Cool Cause he went the rest of the game without it. Yeah. Yeah. And he went crazy. <laughs> that'd be a fun one to have. Mm. Um, and the teams, I don't know. Like, do I just want like a really nice play? That doesn't seem that interesting. Just like a, a kind of iconic ephemera moment would be cool. Um, and then a, I don't know what would be another uh, uh, JV missing the putback in game one. Come on, bro! <laughs> Why you gotta be like this? I just can't think. What's wrong with you, Josh? I I'm trying to think of things that I could maybe afford. Like, what do you want me to say? Uh, um, Montrezl Harrell calling Luka Doncic a bitch ass white boy. Like, these are the moments that I would want to actually say. These are the ones that I have. Like, do you have do you have more uh, more writerly answers than this? I do. I actually have more insignificant answers than the top ones because the top ones you can pick. Like, oh yeah, Kawhi shot or like, you know, um, OG Anobi last year. Like, you can go with these kind of picks, whatever. Um, insignificant ones. So I got a top three. Number one, uh, Lou Williams full court alley oop to Bruno Caboclo to make it a fifty point game against the Bucks. Bruno's the NBA debut. Bruno's first NBA basket. I need the crowd chanting Bruno in the late in the third quarter as well because the Raptors were up fifty and the crowd just randomly started chanting Bruno. Uh, but yeah, I need that. I think that could really sell. Number two, I need um, Kyle Lowry game seven against the Heat. His last three, this is yeah. it was like a twenty six point game, so it doesn't really matter. Two minutes left, twenty six point game, so it could still be affordable even if it's a big moment. But Mike Breen says bang twice. Yeah. And if you get a double bang from Mike Breen, <laughs> that is super valuable. And uh, <laughs> wait, you're not trying to get a double bang from Mike Breen? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody who thinks that we should be more mature. Come on, bro. <laughs> first, first you said the JV Tiffins. I know this. Uh and then the top moment I would have Rondé Hollis Jefferson making that free throw last year. Remember during the thirty point comeback, oh, the, uh, the free throw goes up in Tiger the air. Word. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tiger, and it pumps yeah. through and he does the Tiger Woods fist pump. I'm going to take that one. That's a good one. Yeah, I would maybe lots of good like, ones. OG's block at the end of the Nets game to extend the winning streak. That'd be a fun Ooh. one. Karis LeVert, yeah, yeah. LeVert, yes. Uh, yeah. Also, shout out to Karis LeVert. I'm glad that he's been able to rejoin the team. Yep. Um. Other fun ones. Uh, Amber Rose sitting courtside at the Raptors game with <laughs> Terrence Ross's guest. <laughs> Is that on top oh, shot? <laughs> Where do I buy that? that? Be. No, that should be. Honestly, we should run. You and I should run Raptors top shot. <laughs> like we would we would identify more value to them than uh, anyone, anyone else. So um, Lots of good options, though, man. Honestly, LeBron sipping a beer should be a $2 million <laughs> top shot. I'm not even kidding. Um... Yeah. Shout out, shout out Top Shop. I mean, good for you guys. Open in, you open packs? I don't understand how it works. 
I don't understand either, man. Last time I opened a pack was 2000 and, uh, 2003. It's probably one of those Yu-Gi-Oh packs. Yeah. Um, next question comes from Andre. Which players are in your 2020-2021 all-Gerald Henderson team? Uh, have you thought of an all-time starting five? Actually, every time people ask me about this, I want to refer them to Blake Murphy wrote a really, really good piece about this, which are basically Raptor killers, and he looked at statistically what these guys did relative to what they did against the Raptors. And it's really, really in-depth look, and Gerald Henderson, yes, indeed, is in the first team. But um, this is a great question, and uh, essentially, I mean, look, we're going to just go off the cuff here. No real research, but I think two names have to be on there already. Well, three names, really. Tony Snell, Semi Ojale, and Peyton Pritchard. That's that's your backcourt. That's depressing. Yeah. Um, the timekeepers in uh, Sacramento. <laughs> Wait, we're talking all-time or just this season? Because oh, all-time, absolutely, all-time, absolutely, bro. That was terrible, man. That was one of the worst. Um, this, se- I'm trying to think of a big that's really killed the Raptors that ought not have. Um, yeah, I'm a uh, maybe. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna scroll through my podcast descriptions though. They're in there. Oh yeah, but uh, I mean that's a solid top three right there. That's already like yeah. 60 points a game, just based on what they've <laughs> done to the Raptors this year, man. Oh my goodness. It's always a shooter too. I feel like that's why it hurts against the bigs because I feel like shooters are always killing the Raptors. Um, Bigs that have hurt the Raptors. Oh, Hassan Whiteside. This season? Yeah. Remember that game where he was just like destroying Aaron Baines and and Chris Boucher? Yes. And the the, the Kings beat the Raptors that game. (laughs) And look, Whiteside hasn't really played much this year. So Um, Carmelo Anthony as a power forward. Ooh, good option. I like that. I like that. I mean, no disrespect to Carmelo, obviously, first battle Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. But the way that he's managed to uh, make Raptors' lives miserable the last this last time they played the Blazers and last year, it's impressive. Um, yeah. Because well, it was just him and Dane down the stretch in that game in the beginning of the season, right? That's true. But you know what? Melo has had a good year. And he's a legend. So I feel like that's overqualifying. What about Danilo Gallinari? Both games Raptors played against the Hawks. This guy's hurt us. <laughs> Maybe it's recency bias because the Hawks game was so recent. And it cut me so deeply. Is, I guess Danilo Gallinari. Is he Hen- Gerald Henderson level? He might just be good. That's the thing. That's the thing <laughs> with Melo too. He's just, he's, those guys are just good. But Melo is above his role when he is. I guess he's been kind of good. He's been like everyone's Gerald Henderson this year because you think like, oh, Melo's out here, you know, just for, you know, mm. just playing. But then he's, wait a second, he has 13 points and it's the fourth quarter and he's pulling up for three and, you know, three to the dome. That stuff hurts Ugh. with Melo. Ugh. <laughs> what about, um, what about, let's put, let's put Jeremy Lamb at power forward. Jeremy Lamb has killed the Raptors consistently. Yeah. So let's yeah, let's put him there. I don't know. It's hard. The Raptors generally do guard power forwards pretty well. Let's be real. Um, two more questions before we get to no one more question before we get to the our signature segment, Malachi's missions. 
this one comes from Derek, Derek Andrews, who asks, uh, where are you at with the TV product and how will letting small crowds back into the building help or hurt the viewing experience? Also, when do Matt and Jack get back into the buildings? It's truly commendable what they're doing, essentially from an empty room every night. What have you made of the TV product so far? Um, besides the like weird conspiracy on uh, the Rogers broadcast being less lucky, which maybe I mean, I think it, I feel like they have won a lot more on TSN. I just I don't know what I, it is. Though I remember being pissed because Game Seven against the Sixers was on on Sportsnet, mm. but we saw we all saw how that won. So I feel like the curse is broken. True, but um. I think the beginning of the season was horrible. There were some real, like, embarrassing moments for Rodgers when the sound completely went sideways um, and the they lost yep. the shot clock at times. But I think, the, like, the last month, yeah, like, the last month and a half has been really, really solid. Um, I don't know. I don't know uh, how much sense it makes to invite crowds back in. When they had... That they had some people in audience when they played the um, Miami Heat, and famously Fred Van Vliet told a bunch of them to shut up and put their masks on. So if the crowds aren't cheering alongside the um, home team, it's kind of awkward. Like even mm-hmm. watching yesterday the uh, Nets Knicks game in Brooklyn, it was a it was a Knicks crowd. I mean, it's kind of yeah, of course impossible to avoid. So watch and like I don't know. I think that stuff will come out in the wash. It'd be I if the um, call guys will they be traveling with the team or will they have to be moving independently of the team if they're going to cover them? Man. Like I don't know how any of that stuff will work. So I'm not sure that they'll be joining the team until next season. Here's the thing: I I feel like since they have done pretty well, and I mean everybody in, in Sportsnet team and the TSN team, since the broadcast team has generally done a pretty good job. Yeah. I think they might just keep it the same. Maybe in the playoffs, they might do like a temporary travel thing. But maybe. quite honestly, like, you know, obviously travel is a nice part of the job. And I think maybe less so nowadays because so few people have that opportunity on the beat or on the broadcast. But like they've done such a good job that I don't know necessarily if they want to add that extra, the extra little bit of stress. I mean, hopefully when everyone's vaccinated, like maybe you can move more freely, but. Yeah, I don't know. In terms of the crowds and stuff, I don't think that does really impact anything. I've seen games with crowds and stuff like that. You don't notice them whatsoever. The only thing you notice is like, oh, yeah, some people are masked up side, on, on, on your court side uh, talking about LeBron. Whoa, I that's, forgot that's, about that. That's the only fan interaction I've remembered this whole entire season. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that, was, that was a thing. Um. All right, let's get to our signature segment, Malachi's missions for this week. Um, obviously, Malachi, your real mission is to uh, get healthy, take care of your health, and uh, hopefully you rebound well from um, this pandemic and things like this. But um, Josh, aside from getting healthy, what else you got for Malachi, young Malachi? Um, this week, uh, I'm going to uh, encourage Malachi to get into baseball. The Blue Jays. Okay are looking pretty good. Like I, right. I think I think that we're set up for a pretty entertaining summer of baseball from your Toronto Blue Jays. Um, you know, they are the Raptors are playing not too far from Dunedin. I'm sure that they won't um interact with the team, but you know, I mean, pay attention. 
They could, yeah. I, 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 I don't know exactly what'll happen, but um, I'm get surprisingly excited for Blue Jays season. I mean, I'll like check out the games and follow the box scores, but I don't know. Like, I've Mike Wilner's tweets have really got me pumped um, for the Jays this season. So for Malachi, I say you know check out. I don't know if he's a follows a, a different baseball team, but you know you are a member of the uh, Toronto sports scene. So yeah, check out the Blue Jays. That's my recommendation for this week. I mean, Um, he he is from Seattle, so maybe he's a a Mariners fan or whatever, but listen, the Jays this year are allegedly exciting. Um, Who did they sign? George Springer. Pretty good. Pretty good player. A little bit older, but still pretty good player. Um, Signed Marcus Simeon. Yep. Okay. Not bad. I don't know how he's done recently, but I feel like a few years ago he was a hot prospect. Yeah. Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez, uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Lourdes Gurriel, Kavon Biggio. You know. No, they're gonna. it's going to be good. It's not bad. Not bad. I mean, look, their pitching staff is could probably use a little bit more of an upgrade, I feel like. Yes. Just based on what I saw last year's. Uh, two games of the playoffs, which is how much I watched of the Jays last year. But, uh, you know. No, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Okay, cool. I mean, I hear they have this Nate Pearson guy who throws like 100 miles per hour. What's going on there? Like, They're going to be good. We should have uh, Clifton from Etobicoke call in in a couple weeks. uh, We should. Break down down some baseball for us. What about Alejandro Kirk, the, um, the, the, the catcher, I think? Yeah, man, this is tough. <laughs> I, I I briefly debated starting a Jays pod, but clearly, did I'm, you really? I'm not With, equipped. But no, by I, I was just I was mostly just joking about it. No, I, I would have to find like a someone who actually diehard follows the Jays. Maybe I'll call up Dan or something, or uh, Zoops, or Zoops. Yeah, there you go. But, but I, I mean, of... I don't I don't want to waste their time either. Just being like, so uh, who does he play? Like, what Space? position does he play for? Like, Small. can you imagine? I came on this podcast and I was like, yo, I don't really know what position OG plays. Like, you know, I, I don't know if anyone wants to hear that. That's why it cuts against credibility if you don't know. Bear, oh, well, um, what uh, Caitlin McGrath hosts a pretty good podcast at the Athletic. Um, okay. a, a spin rate on the, for the Jays. It's good. I mean. I'm try- I agree. Like I'm trying to get more into to blue into baseball, so the recommendation comes from the heart. There you go. Every year I do say to myself, I'm going to go back into the Jays, and uh, it's been a little tough, but you know, maybe this is the year. They do have Ryu. I, I do love him. I-, I need big big face. You know how there's big face coffee for Jimmy Butler. There's big face Asians, and me. And Ryu, I just feel like a kinship with him, <laughs> just based on that alone. You know, like you just need like your face to be sixty five percent cheeks, and like, <laughs> anyway, we've hit that point in the podcast. Um, my recommendation—that's a good one from Malika. I hope you uh, become a Jays fan. Honestly, Jays gear looks really good too. That—that part of it does the, the thrill of being a Jays fan. Um. My uh, Malachi mission for this week is to watch Big Brother Canada Season 9. It's really good. It's really good. I'm not just saying this because uh, uh, my partner is working on that show. But, no, it's legitimately good. Very enjoyable. So are they allowed to tell you everything's about to happen right before it happens? Or even then the, like, strict NDA? Wait, what's that? Are you allowed to know what ha- like 
will your partner tell you what's about to happen right before it happens or um definitely they they will not be telling me that i I don't want to put them in that kind of position in the first place but um but you can also just like watch the live feeds that's that's one of the things with big brother right you can watch live feeds so you can kind of know what happens before the show itself goes on but no it's really good Uh, season eight was a real disaster but uh you know this season's quite good so that's my recommendation so that's uh that's the podcast for this week thanks everyone for sending in questions Josh, any uh, final thoughts that you want to leave with before I uh, sprint off to practice? What are you practicing? Oh, Raptors are practicing in the trial. Oh, the Raptors right practice. Um, shout out to uh, Arsenal. Why? Um, oh, they, for for beating yeah for beating uh, Everton and like the or Tottenham in the like second EPL match I watched front to back all season. That was a good one. You picked a good one to watch. It was a pretty good game. That first goal with uh, what's his face that was really cool. Eric Lamella. Yeah, that was. Is he good? Is he like the truth? No, or? That's the funny thing. It's, he's, that's not good. That's that's Jeremy <laughs> Lamb hitting the game winner against the Raptors. Oh, awesome. From half court. Well, that's that's what he did. I mean, it's it's a sick goal. Maybe one of the goals of the year. Yeah, it's got to be. But uh, um, yeah. yeah. Well, so shout out, shout out, uh, what Gunners or whatever. What do they call themselves? Uh, yeah, they call themselves the Gunners. Yeah. Salute. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you next week. Well, I think the Colin show comes back real soon. We've yeah, we're doing some done. we're doing some tech stuff. We're like what seventy percent of the way there, I would say. Yes, we're we're close to bringing that back. So we're looking forward to hearing other voices than our own. But I appreciate everyone for continuing the show essentially by sending in questions. Yeah, appreciate so, it. Yeah, so thanks everyone for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week taking more questions. Probably seeing what the trade deadline looks like. Can't wait. All right. (laughs) Peace. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.